So um, we're kind of in a little mini-series in the book of Ephesians right now. <clears throat> Chapters 5 and 6, um, Paul kind of gets really narrow and specific on what he's talking about. And all of his thoughts that we're looking at, that we looked at last week, and the thoughts we're going to be looking at for the next four weeks as we, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we finish this book, all of these thoughts come after he spent four chapters unpacking the gospel, two chapters telling us what the church should do as a gospel-bought community, and then the passage, uh, the, the verse that transitions into this passage we looked at last week and we'll look at a lot today was Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That verse is necessary to understand anything that follows it. That's what the tone Paul is setting here. And last week, we looked at the creation order, uh, the, the creation order. We're talking about genders. We're talking about people. We're talking about roles. And so we want to see where people originated from, where gender originated from, where marriage originated from, where work originated from, where children originated from, from God's creation. So we looked at Genesis, and we saw God created. That's the first distinction you faced as a person is God creation, okay? God creation is the first distinction. Then God created man. Then God created woman. And so the first distinction is God creation. The second distinction is male and female. And inside of our created distinctions is a web of submission. Everyone in some way, shape, or form submits to someone um, and, and submits to someone other than themselves. And what I love about Ephesians 5 and 6 is that Paul is hitting every possible position you could be in as a person. Okay? Whether you're male, whether you're female, um, wh whether, whether you're from the United States, whether you're from somewhere else, whether you speak Kazakhstanese, or if you speak other languages that really exist, um, he hits everything. I mean, Paul's going to talk about male, female, husband, father, son, daughter, employee, or employer. At one point in your life, you'll be at least one of those, if not two or three of those. And so Paul is addressing everyone in this passage. No one finds their role outside of the roles that Paul is painting here. And what I love specifically about these passages, and what I want us to see as we look at these passages in depth, is that Paul always views our roles and responsibilities in one hand and the gospel in the other hand. They're not separate, but they're tied together. They're, the gospel touches and the gospel conforms and shapes and influences every aspect of our lives. And so that's what we're, we looked at last week, and it's what we're going to look at um, in the remainder of chapter 5 and 6. And so I just want to pray uh, for that gospel to work in here. I want it to be, uh, everything we do as Christians should find its genesis in the gospel. If it's something outside of the gospel, it's probably something that has minimal impact on your life. And so we want to look at what the gospel means to us and how that changes how we live and act. So let's pray. Lord, we... Um, we do come before you as a people who need to be spoken to. We come before you um, as a people who want uh, to, to hear you, who want to learn from you, who want to be shaped by you. And so as we look at Ephesians 5, through 24 tonight, Lord, I pray you soften our hearts to what it is you want to communicate to us. I pray that you show us the beauty of salvation and the glory of the gospel inside of our roles as wives and husbands and males and females and, and children and parents. Lord, I pray that you impress on us the life-changing power and nature of the gospel. 
I pray you grant us repentance and you grant us the ability to act and offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So before I move on, uh, if there is a quiz at the end of our thing through Ephesians, I want it to be, what is Paul's main point going into chapter 5? And again, it's Ephesians 5, 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's part of the church. Paul's talking about the church. He's talking about singing. He's talking about encouraging. And now he's saying submitting to one another, um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we're not submitting outside on its own. We're submitting out of reverence to Christ. Our submission towards one another is because of Christ. It's an overflow of how we view Christ. And what we're going to see in these next three weeks are that masters are called to submit to God. Slaves and workers are called to submit to their masters. Children are called to submit to their parents. Husbands are called to submit to Christ in leadership and service of their family. And wives are called to submit to their husbands. And I want to give a little disclaimer here because I wrestled with this sermon um, all week long. I wrestled with it out of my weakness. I wrestled with it um, out of my, my fear of man, and that's probably because there's not a more hotly contested debate in our culture today than gender and gender roles, specifically that of submission. Regardless of who you are, culture hates submission. There, there are certain states and countries now that refuse to allow teachers to discipline children in their class, any form of discipline, because our submission is not something that we believe in anymore. And so regardless of where you are, submission is an issue. And it's almost as if our generation runs around with a big banner that says, says tolerance or be tolerant on one side. And then as they pass on the back, it says or else. It's like a threat. It's like be tolerant or else I'm going to punch you in the face out of tolerance. Um, and so we wrestle with this issue. And as I saw here, there's a venom, there's a hatred, there's a hostility towards the idea that this passage's purpo- passage proposes and a venom and a hostility towards the people who hold the ideas of this passage. And I, I scared of the response of people, scared of criticism, weak in my flesh. Um, I wrestled with how I was going to preach this. I wanted to do it with grace. I wanted to do it with clarity, but it was just, I was nervous in coming and preaching, especially on a secular campus. And I think it's, it's ironic that this group is normally like 80% dudes, and the night we're talking about wives, it's like 80% women. And, and so I don't know where all of you came from, but welcome. Um, and, and so as I, I really was, I sat down yesterday, I was, I was doing my sermon prep, and I just had this weight on my shoulders. But as I sat down this morning to write um, the sermon, God impressed two passages on my mind. The first was Psalm 119.60. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And so as as I'm looking at Scripture and as I'm wrestling with how am I going to present what the Scripture is saying here, uh, I read Psalm 119, 160, and God's word is truth. we, We can dislike gravity. We can be angry at gravity, but gravity is truth. Gravity is here. Gravity is the way things are. And we need the truth of God. We need the righteousness of God. We need God's righteous rules which endure forever. And so seeing God's word as truth was a comfort to me. I also turned um, to Coloss- or 1 Corinthians 1.18 where Paul says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
And so here I am worried about, are people going to see this as foolish? Are people going to see this as harsh? And Paul's like, yes, they will. The gospel is folly. The gospel is foolishness to those who are in unbelief. And Tyler, it has very little to do with what you're preaching tonight, but very much to do with me. The gospel is foolishness to those who are in unbelief. That's why they don't believe it. If it was a great idea, more people would be Christians. But our hearts rebel against the gospel. Our hearts don't desire to see God's true rule. But to us, to us Christians, this isn't a neat letter of inspiration. It's not a, a, a list of rules that was given to subject a people. It's not legalism. It's not an ancient religious text. This is the power of God in salvation. This is God's word to us. You want to hear from God? This is his word. God has spoken and is speaking to his people. And that means that, that to argue, and me, in my pettiness, as I'm fearful in looking at this, I'm not fearful of what Paul said. I'm not fearful of what John or Moses said. Me, I'm like, God, did you really mean what you said? And that's because to argue or to disagree with the Bible, and we should wrestle with the Bible in certain senses. We should test the Bible with the Bible. We should blindly believe it, but the Bible proves itself. But if we are to argue with any passage of Scripture, you're not arguing with Paul or Moses or James or Elijah. You're arguing with God himself. And so as we look at these roles moving forward, I want us to, to see it as, you know, <clears throat> grandma's like old wool blanket that's, that's kind of scratchy and itchy. And, and when you put it on you at first, it's like, man, this is kind of uncomfortable. But then it really settles in and just warms you. And you realize that the things that at first were, were bristling and uncomfortable are really there for your warmth and for your well-being. See, so much of scripture is folly to us in, in our remaining flesh. We see it as foolishness. We see it as condescending. We see it as hard. We see it as outdated. outdated. But when we put it on and when we submit to it in joy, we are warmed by the warmth of God. And with that said, let, let's yield our hearts both men and women in here, yield our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Not to hear my words, not to hear songs, but to hear what God has to say about how we are created. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. <clears throat> there, are, there are a bunch of people in here. Some of you read that and, and wholeheartedly agree with that. Some of you read that and are completely turned off by it. But what I want to do in our time remaining here is I want to, to look at four ways in which we can see this doctrine of wives, submit, wives in submission as a sweet and God-ordained gift. And I, 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 that's not manipulative. It's not Tyler getting up here and, and influencing how he wishes that it was or, or putting his ideas on you or the church's ideas or the Pope's ideas. Everyone, people still think that like all of Christianity is run by the Pope. It's like we don't even... Anyway... Um, <laughs> Welcome to the University of Montana. Um, I, I don't want to present man's agenda. I want to present God's word. So that's what we want to leave here tonight with. 
Not with how well does Tyler frame an argument, but how does God describe our relationship towards one another? So point number one is an assumption I don't want us to forget. I've mentioned it three times tonight already. This is the fourth, and it's going to be the first point tonight, and it's going to be a point we will not forget in these next four weeks. And that point is that submission is unique yet normative. Submission is unique yet normative. You see, depending upon who you are, where you are, or what role you're in, your submission towards those around you will be different. My submission was different as I, uh, as I was a child and grew into a man and now as a father, I had different roles of submission in each of those things. Yet, submission was normative in me. Christ himself submitted to the Father. John 6, 38, Jesus says this. He says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus submitted. Okay? If, if submission didn't hurt Jesus, it's not going to hurt any of us. If Jesus saw submission as something worthy, as something good, for us to scoff at it is dangerous. For us to belittle it is to belittle the Christ who came and died for us. Jesus submitted to the will of God. Paul, Paul willingly submitted himself to all people. 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul says this, there. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And so Paul is submitting himself to culture, submitting himself to people, submitting himself to different identities. Why? For the sake of the gospel. Paul submitted. Jesus submitted. We too are called to submit. You see, no one is a victim of submission. Submission isn't an affliction, it's not a sickness, it's not a disease, it's not an illness. Submission is a path of joy and service for a Christian. Regardless of who you are, we're going through Philippians on a weekend. How many times has Paul in the book of Philippians urged us to set aside our interests for other people? It's for the good. It's for the better. Submission is something we put on because of Christ and what Christ has done. And submission is, is corporate in one sense and unique in other senses. We all submit differently. And so don't play the victim of submission here. Don't be like, dang it, I have to submit. God, the, I, I went to GCF, I heard the word of God proclaimed, and now my life sucks because I see I have to submit. Don't go home and do that. We don't do that, one, because it paints submission in a negative light. No doctrine of God is negative. No precept that God gives us is for our affliction. Two, to see ourselves as a victim of suffering refuses to acknowledge God's redemptive role and desire for submission. It fails to see it as something that God purposed and God planned for his glory. So it is normative that all of us submit. It's a universal rule. Each Christian will submit to someone. And really, you could back up and, and look in a culture at a large scale, sociologically, culture needs to have submission, otherwise it's going to be crazy. Well, we're looking at the first generation of people being raised who have, who have the, the weakest parental figures, and we're starting to see those kids raised without submission be in positions of authority, making decisions that are of a detriment to society. Society needs submission, and it's not because it just happens to be that. God created it. 
Uh, but so, so on a broad scale, submission is normative. But the text we're looking at today is specific. It's not universal. It's very specific. And we, I just want to read the first part of this text again. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, point number two. Submission in this text, in Ephesians 5.22 through 24, submission is of a wife to her husband. You see, this passage is not about women. This passage is about wives. Not all women are wives, but all wives are women. Okay? The point of this text is not God desires all women to be in subject to men. That is not the text. Regardless of what culture tells you that Christianity is. The text is not saying that when a woman walks into a room, she's to bow and grovel at whatever man is standing around. That's not a biblical view of submission. That's not God's view of submission. Now inside the church, there are all sorts of things that happen that God is speaking to. But, but that is not what, what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying all women submit to all men. All women are called to uniquely relate to men as women, right? You relate to man as woman. You don't relate to all men in submission. But it's true of all people. We should relate to all people in terms of respect and dignity and honor. But submission to all men is not something that Paul is proposing here. And it's, it's also important here because most of, most of the women in here are not wives, and so we look at this and we're like, why is this of pertinence to us? This is a college group. As a Christian woman, you are not called to submit to all men. You are called to submit to your husband. That means you are not to submit to your boyfriend. You are not to submit to your fiance. Until you are married, no man holds a right over you or your body. And you do not hold a right over your boyfriend until God has brought that together in marriage. They have no right over you until you become their wife. In this time, though, as being single women, because submission is normative, you are still called to submit. What's the normative submission for you as a woman? And this is true, not only of women, but of men. Single men and single women are called to submit to God and his word. We come under this. This is the authority in our life. We submit to this. We listen to this. If we are wrong uh, on something that the Bible has said, you are wrong and the Bible is right. <laughs> Accept it. When you err from the Bible, the Bible is still right. You submit to God and his word and you submit to the church and its leaders. Those are two universal aspects of submission. The Christian submits to God. The Christian submits to a local church. You, you may not like those. You may love submitting to God. You may say, I don't want to submit to a local church. I didn't write the book. God did. Okay? Take it up with him. Enjoy what he said. Treasure what he said. Trust what he said. But you women in here are called to submit to God. You are called to submit to the church. And you are, you are to be prepared for whatever circumstance God's bring, God brings you in. If it so happens you have a husband, that you submit to your specific husband. Wives, submit to your husbands. Paul says it three times in this text. And I called my mom today, because I love my mom. Um, and I called my mom and I said, hey, I'm preaching. Actually, I texted my mom. 
I said we're, I'm preaching on Ephesians. Uh, that's not just, that, that bit of information will come back. Okay, it's not just random. Um, I'm preaching on Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Read it and just tell me what you think. And my mom, I, I, my mom is, because oftentimes the, the woman, the, the, the picture that culture points to you is that submission is great if you just want to like cut off your legs, hook yourself to a dishwasher and just like pop out children. Um, but for the, for the woman who has like desires and stuff, it's like not, not for me. Um, and so I called my mom and, and she's a hardworking woman. She's a CPA. She, she's on a lot of, uh, she's been on and is on a lot of boards in the community, board of advisors, board of directors. She's been managers for sports teams. She, she, she's always doing pro bono work for charities and nonprofits in the organization. My mom is a hardworking, business-driven woman, and she's my mom, and I love her. And so I texted my mom, and she called me. She said, I can't text. Uh, it's, it's too much to text, so I'm going to call you. And, and so she called me, and she said, she started off by saying, before I saw the role of the husband, which is what we're going to look at next week, before I saw the role of a husband, I wanted to fight this text. That makes perfect sense. You see, no, for my mom, knowing the role of the husband was the issue that kept her from embracing this. I think this is one reason why our culture fights against this text today. The husband makes all the difference in this text. And we'll see that more and more as we get into it next week. And we have an absolutely mindless and dangerous culture of dating in our country. It's awful. I, I think we, we put more time into picking what Hot Pocket we're going to eat than we do as to why and how we're dating and who we're dating. It's like, what? You're a guy? You're interested? All right, let's date. Guys are even worse. It's like, what? You're a girl? You might not be interested? Let's date. Um, and, and, and it's like this mindless, I just wrote a, wrote a blog on it, it's called Dating Like a Zombie, and it's just like, yeah, it's just, we're just following what TV says and being dumb and stupid um, in, in what we're doing, and that, that is a danger to marriage. We will not want to submit to someone who we're mindless for. We will not want to submit to someone who is not under submission. You see, the joy of wives submitting to their husband is found in the worth of the husband. The joy of wives submitting to their husband is found in the worth of the husband. And in a culture which elevates, tolerates, and promotes jovial, silly, and immature behavior out of men, this passage is greatly to be feared for you women. This passage is terrifying. Why would we want to submit to a man who is under submission to no one? Why would you want to submit to a man who doesn't submit to Christ, who doesn't submit to the church, who doesn't submit to serving others, who doesn't lead, who doesn't think of the interest of others? That is a miserable life. The point being, ladies, think of who it is you want to date. Because in marriage, and Paul addresses the real issue of women marrying loser husbands, and he says, you know what? There's grace enough for the unbelieving wife and her, ch her child. And you, you endure in that and you seek to submit because who knows, God may use you to win your husband. And so the issue of dumb husbands getting lucky and marrying Christian women is real. But the point is why and who. You're single right now, maybe you're dating, maybe you're not dating. But you should take to heart when you enter into a dating relationship 
First of all, you should enter into a dating relationship being mindful of marriage. To enter in unmindful of marriage is shallow and superficial, and when I ask you questions, you panic and run away from me, okay? Be mindful of marriage as the goal of dating, and when we're mindful of that, then we start asking right questions about who it is we're dating, because we want to be under submission to a man who's worthy of it, who I can trust with it, who is safe, who is honorable. Men, be a husband worthy of submission. Look at your life. So many times guys joke, like, oh, I can't have kids. <laughs> if you can't have kids, you probably shouldn't have a wife. Because if you're not willing to serve, and sub ser serve a kid, you're not going to serve your wife. I have to serve Owen. I get to serve my wife. Check your hearts, men. Women, date mindfully knowing that one day you will have to submit to that man as your husband if you desire to marry him. And you see, when you get the husband, you get submission because it makes sense. And when, it, when my mom said, she said, you know, at first I fought it. But when I saw the role of the husband, and these are words from my mom, she said, the passage made me feel safe, it gave me a peace, and it granted me a freedom. What a great word when we're talking about submission. A freedom. Put that in your pipe and smoke it culture. <laughs> like, submission is like there's death and then submission. It's like that's the scale. Because submission, you're, you're subjected. You're submitting. There's no freedom. But my mom says, man, God in my husband has given me boundaries that I can flourish in. It is safe and it is joy-filled. So, if you disagree with this, not only are you arguing with God, but you're arguing with Vicky. So, <laughs> be mindful of that. As you, she's an angry, my dad calls her the angry Prussian. So, no one knows why, but that's her name. Um, know that submission can become joyful. Wives, you are called to submit to your husband in service, in care, in love, humility, and in joy. In the time you are in right now, are you developing those traits in your life? That's not, some of you will not be married. In fact, Paul encourages, he says, some of you should not be married. He says it's, it's to the benefit of some to remain single. But who would not want to present the traits of service, care, love, humility, and joy? In your heart right now, are you preparing for the time, if God wills it, that you submit to a husband in marriage? And in that, are you preparing for that by submitting wholeheartedly to Christ in the church? If you're not submitting to Christ, and if you're not submitting to the church, you're going to wrestle with the ability to submit to your husband. Submission, point number three. Submission is based off the gospel. I love this. Look back um, at 22 through 24. Just look at the references to Christ. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. It is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. You see, the saving work of Christ is essential both to the work of the husband and to the work of the wife. Wait till you get, like, I'm, Stephen's preaching next week, um, and I'm preaching this weekend at Sovereign Hope, and John is gone this weekend, and I'm preaching on, like, 
like the, the, the cream of Philippians, like the, the best layer in Philippians, and I get it. And it just so happened that because of that, I give up the cream of Ephesians to Stephen next week. Um, because when he talks about men, he's really, it's like, hey, men, um, I'm going to say I'm talking to you, but I'm just going to tell you the gospel. And right now we see a little bit of that. Paul's like, women, this is how you should act the gospel. It's tied to what Christ has done. You see, Christ came to do the Father's will. Christ submitted himself, he humbled himself, he served the Father, and he loved the Father with, with, with a love that we as humans cannot even comprehend. It's untouchable by human standards. You will never have an intimacy with anyone like Christ has with the Father. And Christ served him and loved him through that. And here in the text we just saw, we see Christ taking the, a position of submission to the Father. And what, what's um, implied in this is through Christ's submission, he became our Savior. You see, the will of God was to send his Son to die for sinners so that those who believe in him might have eternal life. And because Jesus came not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father, the submission of Christ brought about the salvation of souls. The submission of Christ made Christ the Christ, the Messiah. But we also see that Jesus modeled proper headship. Jesus rose from the dead and is now the head of the church. As we'll see next week, the church is the bride of Christ. Women submit to their husbands in the same way the bride of Christ, the church, submits to Christ. This is again putting a weight on the husband. The church submits to Christ, the best, ultimate, perfect, unattainable husband. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Your husband, wives, will not be Christ, okay? Don't hold him to the standard of Christ. You'll be disappointed. He will be disappointed. But your husband should seek to lead you to Christ. And your husband should seek, seek to lead you like Christ leads the church. And I'm a pastor, and I love the church. I, I get excited when I talk about the church, um, and that's because I love the church's relationship to Christ. Christ bought us with his blood to make us his bride, his beloved. All other romances that have ever been written do not touch the romance of Christ coming and dying for the church. Unrivaled in all of literary history, Christ loves the church. And as the church, I don't submit to Christ in fear and uncertainty. When I surrender to God, I'm not like, oh, please don't screw this up. But I do it out of a confidence and out of a joy. My, my submission is never coerced. Right? And sometimes wives can look at this text and be like, dang it, I'm going to submit to my husband. <laughs> like, that's not submission. That's forced labor. Submission, I submit my soul to Christ joyfully because of who Christ is. What Paul is saying here is, women, you find the same joy in submitting to a God-honoring, wholesome husband. I submit to Christ because of the ultimate well-being and joy that comes from joyfully submitting to the life protection and salvation I get from Jesus. And again, I, your husband will not save you. Jesus saves you, but your husband should live in such a way where he's constantly pointing to and leading your family towards the one who did save you. Because Christ is the model of submission, we seek to submit. 
And because Christ is the model husband, we seek to joyfully submit to someone who takes the responsibility of leadership seriously. A man who is not willing to serve and to lead is a man not worthy of leadership. Women, be mindful of that. Test the people you are interested in with the gospel. Test your own motives with the gospel. And because the gospel is at the heart of submission, we look forward to it because it is the safest place to rest your heart, head, and worries. A Christian husband who seeks to lead his family through Christ is the sweetest, most protected place you could ever go as a woman. This side of, this side of death, the sweetest place you can go to is a husband who will love and point you to Christ. And I hope to be that husband with my wife. I hope to provide that security and that freedom. Why is it this place? Because it's modeled after the gospel. And there's nothing sweeter in society. There's nothing sweeter in all the world than the security, safety, and joy of the gospel. And so we seek to submit to that for those who are wives. And our culture is increasingly hostile, as we said, towards this. And the more you think about it, it's not just because culture doesn't like the idea. It's not just because they hate the word submission. I think the heart of the issue is, is our culture hates, or our culture is hostile towards submission because they're hostile towards the gospel. Submission is a direct representation of Christ. And I mean, if you think about it, you women who are going, who, who Lord willing will be doing this, what a great platform for evangelism. Because it's so hotly debated, you will, get, uh, you will, you will run in contact, whether it's at work or whether it's uh, um, in school or with your friends of women who just do not see gender roles the way God designed it, and they'll ask you, why is it you're doing it that way? You know what? First of all, that's, that's the way God designed me to, to do it, and I do it because Christ submitted to the will of the Father, and in doing so, saved us. And so there's a platform for evangelism through your submission to your husband, which is the third or the fourth and final point. Submission is worship. And what I love, and this is again a universal thing. All submission is worship. And what I love about God is that God is deeply utilitarian. God does not make frivolous things. God makes beautiful things which would seem frivolous that have a deep and working purpose. God is utilitarian. Everything he makes has a perfect purpose and is perfectly effective, but God is also profoundly beautiful. And gender and gender roles are a place where God's utility and God's creative beauty come to play. Ephesians 5.22 again. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. What this is not saying, wives, is submit to your husband as if he is the Lord. Submit to your husband in the same way you submit to Christ. There are limits to your husband. There are limits to the way in which you submit to your husband. Your husband should not be, will not be, cannot be a functioning savior in your life. So check your heart as to how much, if you desire marriage, as to how much you desire marriage because your husband will not save your life, will not complete your life, will not fulfill your life. Your husband will be a God-ordained worship helper in your life, a godly leader in your life. Your husband is a pointer to a savior. You don't pray to your husband. You don't worship to your husband. Your husband doesn't take away your sin. Your husband doesn't absorb the wrath of God in your place. Your husband is a man. And in the ideal situation, a godly, leading, self-sacrificial man, but still a man. 
What Paul is saying here is that you submit to your husband as to the Lord, meaning you submit with joy to your husband as if it is done for the Lord. You submit to your husband and it is done for Christ and it is done in the audience before Christ. Let me unpack this a little more in this. God didn't design wives to submit to their husbands simply because he thought it was economic. It is economic. We saw that last week. The woman was a helper to man. Deeply economic. Supporter um, in that. God didn't do it simply because it was his idea. It's not like, oh, that's a great idea. I should do that. God designed women in marriage to act, respond, and live a certain way because he wanted them to achieve greater worship through marriage. God is about worship. God's rules, God's precepts, God's word stirs worship from his people. Your submission to your husband is an act of worship towards God, and your preparation of your heart towards submission is a present act of worship. Submission glorifies God. Whether you're male, female, husband, wife, child, slave, master, whatever it is Paul's talking about, submission glorifies God. You see, I've met a lot of women who disagree with what Paul's saying here. Uh, who don't believe this passage is still applicable for women, but I've never met a Christian woman who is against giving God worship. You see, what they miss in this passage is they've disconnected this passage from worship. If you desire to worship God, this passage is extremely relevant because it is the most natural way in which we will worship God in your marriages. It's through submission in presenting a Christ who submitted to the will of the Father, a Christ who is the head of the church. When our actions are bound to the gospel, it will never be foolish to Christians. It will never be empty to Christians. It'll be foolish to the world, it'll be outdated to the world, it'll be strange to the world, but for us, if anything comes in contact with the gospel and we submit to it, from gender roles to, to how we view scripture, to how we worship, to how we raise our kids, if our life comes in contact with the gospel and we submit to it, it is for worship and that is for our good and God's glory. Your life, every aspect of your life is for the worship of of God Almighty. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Your life is a spiritual act of worship. How you relate as a wife to your husband is an act of worship. How you relate as a male to a female is an act of worship. And God designed us to have unique roles which uniquely project his beauty to a fallen world. It is our joy and it is our duty to seek to do that and to follow God's precepts in it. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to raise a generation of women who, who submit. I don't want to do that. I want to raise a generation of women who are so captivated with the worship of God that they willingly submit to their husbands for their good and God's great glory. So women, are you mindful of your future? Not all of you will be married. Not all of you should be married. But you should be looking at your future. You should be checking your heart, looking at your motives, and praying that God is preparing your heart to fully submit to him and to his church in the meantime, but potentially to submit to a husband in the future.
Pray, pray that the blanket of God's word falls warmly on your shoulders. Pray that he gives you the boldness to embody this text and then preach Christ from your life, to preach Christ from your posture. Men, are you looking for a woman who loves this? Are you becoming a man worthy of submission? Are you looking for a woman who pushes your worship in Christ? Who you see a woman who is so willing to submit to God so that worship happens that you have to say, I have to up my game. I need to worship at that level. I need to worship higher. I want Sarah to push me in my worship because she is zealous for God. Are you looking for a woman who embodies these traits and the traits from 1 Peter 3? Christians, let the gospel shape your life and let your life radiate the glory of Christ in ways that the world will see. Let's pray. I also have quickly um, resources here. for you. I'm disrupting my prayer. Uh, it's by David Pallison, and it's called Godly Roles and Relationships. If you are wrestling with this, please read this. Okay? I gave you resources last week. Here's more resources this week. It's a lot shorter. It's a chapter from one of his books. Um, please come and get it. I could send it to you too if we run out. So now let's pray. Juke is over. Um, Lord, we, we want to submit to your word. We want to submit to your way, and we want to do it because Christ has modeled it, Christ has enabled it, and Christ has ordained it for his glory. So, Lord, I pray for the women in here. I pray that you work in their hearts. I pray that you you show them your beauty, and you show them your worth, and you show them the Christ who died for their sins. And I thank you that when they see that, they will respond accordingly to that because they desire more worship. And Lord, I pray in here for the future husbands and wives, for the future mothers and fathers and and families that come from here. May we be people who submit to Christ, who submit to the church and love and serve and sacrifice and give and preach to the glory of God. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.